of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, greetings and thanks for joining us once again, everybody. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. Today, our focus is on loving kindness and self-mastery. Yep. This is an area where we can all use a little help from time to time. Well, uh-huh. and w- w- as with many of the things we say and the points we try to make, practicing loving kindness is obviously a good thing. Yep. I mean, nobody would argue that. But mm. saying it and doing it are often two very different things. Right. It's difficult when it's difficult. What? <laughs> what, what I mean is there are certain situations when it's a challenge to be kind. Yeah. Like getting stuck in traffic when you're already late. You might not feel like being kind to the poor guy whose car just broke down. Or kind to the mother of a crying baby on an airplane. Yeah, especially when it's a long flight and you're trying to sleep. (laughs) It's hard being kind to people we don't agree with, for example. (laughs) Yeah, or patient and kind to people who can't seem to get the point. Or get to the point. (laughs) Yeah. Or say the wrong thing or make a silly mistake. Yeah, or talk too fast, laugh too loud, drive too slow. Well, sure. I mean, there are hundreds of situations we can all think of when we have a choice to be critical and impatient. Or we can be kind. And from the point of view of spiritual self-mastery, what we choose is all important. And that's why we're focusing on this subject today. This is one of those areas in all of our lives where the simplest and most ordinary actions can actually have a deep and abiding karmic consequence. There you go again. What? You just steered the conversation (laughs) once again towards our co-creator with God theme. I know. I can't seem to get away from it. You know, as must be entirely clear by now, everything we think say and do creates well and each creation has a karmic consequence yeah so an act of loving kindness is a beautiful creation you know from the biggest to the smallest each kind act sets off a marvelous and far-reaching ripple effect that not only serves us but it serves all of life as well and you know Tom, we may never know the extent to which our loving act may have changed the world but we can be assured that it has yeah so act wisely and create well well, from the point of view of spiritual self-mastery, creating well is just plain common sense and it's enlightened self-interest. Bingo. You know, it's all about staying in tune with spirit in the midst of the hubbub of everyday life. Well, you know, there's a saying uh, about how we act and react with and around people. And uh-huh. it goes like this. What we see in others, we strengthen in ourselves. Oh, exactly. And this means that whatever we are reacting to may exist within us. Right. Whatever we have a strong reaction to might be a clue to an area in our own psychology that could use a little work. Something something about a sty in your own eye. Yeah, being the uh, detective in your own backyard Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, well, so if we react negatively to someone who is being, I don't know, rash and impatient, you know, we might find that we've got that same tendency within us. Yeah, and it's hard to face, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so instead of bristling at the other person or criticizing or judging them, we might instead thank them for helping to shed light on one of our own dark corners. That's if we want to clean them up. Oh, man, you know, we've talked about this before, too, about how mm-hmm. gratitude is a great spiritual tool. Yep. You know, so, you know, practicing loving kindness is a good way to make good karma 
make others feel good, and anchor this good quality within. Yes, it's a win-win situation for everybody. Win-win. How utterly new age of you. <laughs> and I mean that in the kindest possible way. Well, let me practice gratitude <laughs> for that. Uh, of course you do. <laughs> well, you know, seriously, though, what we're stressing here, in fact, in every show, is the simple, straightforward, and practical nature of the Ascended Master's teachings. Loving kindness is just one example. Well, you're right. And the Ascended Master's keys and the tools that they give us are practical, accessible. They're easy to use and, and understand. Mm -hmm. There's no arcane mumbo-jumbo here. Yeah, you know, this is simply the art of bringing more joy, peace, balance, creativity, and love into our lives. Uh, assuming that those are the things that you want. Well, right? yeah, it does presuppose yeah. that. But you know, it's also interesting that the applications of these are modernized to fit our lives and our worlds, but the wisdom is absolutely ancient. And the reason it's ancient is... Well, because it stood the test of time. Oh, okay, I mean, <laughs> here, are, you know, here are just a couple of examples of the key spiritual precepts we're talking about. And you already know all these things. Well, we'll repeat them here anyway because they all bear repeating. And that's true. They do all bear repeating. So here's kind of a, a, a simple list, kind of a mm -hmm. cheat sheet, if you will. For unerring guidance, listen to the still, quiet voice of your higher or God self within. You discover your soul's core passion. Shape that into a life mission. Okay. Prioritize your spiritual goals in the same way you do for your material goals. Uh, live in the present and take time for some spiritual renewal. Oh, how about this one? Learn to work with angels. A great one. And learn to let your spiritual self do the work. You know, basically this means you get out of your own way. Uh, let go and let God. Yeah, now who's using New Age jargon? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm a child of the 60s. What can I say? <laughs> Depends on how much you remember. Ooh. <laughs> well, I do remember today's theme. And we should end our basic list of practical spiritual keys with this. Mm-hmm. Practice loving kindness toward everyone, including yourself. And that last one might be tough. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, let's hear from our friend Terry Kennedy on the practice and benefits of loving kindness. Terry? Practice loving kindness toward everyone, including yourself. When a child is learning to write his letters and he shows you his first crude attempt, you tell him what a wonderful job he has done. You don't belittle him because the curves of his S are going the wrong way. You praise him, and the little smile he flashes your way is your reward. What if we did that with everyone we met? What if we decided not to dwell on another's imperfections, but to love and support the soul who is striving to become whole? What if we treated each person the same way we would treat the little child who just showed us his first picture of Daddy or his first attempt to write the alphabet? When we send others a positive signal of how wonderful they are, even if they aren't exhibiting it in that moment, we are supporting them while they grow into that matrix. If, on the other hand, we criticize, condemn, or gossip about them, we reinforce the momentums of their lesser self rather than accentuate the positives of their spiritual self. I have found that the best byword is not to say anything about anybody that you wouldn't say to his or her face. And for every person you meet, find the nicest thing you can say about him that's true. Then say it. If you have to give feedback, try to do it in a way that is helpful and not harmful, constructive and not condemning. There is a wonderful Hasidic tale that teaches this lesson. A highly revered rabbi made it a habit of inviting his friends and students to share his table at the Sabbath meal. On one of these occasions, an uncouth, sloppily dressed man entered the room and took a seat. The rabbi's students looked down their noses at him as he proceeded to pull out of his pocket a large radish. 
The rabbi seemed oblivious to the loud crunching that was emitting from the other end of the table. Finally, one of the students, trying not to let the rabbi hear him, asked the visitor how he had the nerve to disturb the decorum of their most revered host's repast. Just then, the rabbi casually remarked, It would be wonderful if I had a really good radish to eat right now. The radish eater, with a big smile on his face, produced from his pocket another big, tangy red root. The rabbi praised his guest for his generosity and then munched on the radish with delight. The rabbi understood that criticizing his guest wasn't going to do any good, and in fact there wasn't anything to criticize him for. Instead, the rabbi searched for the one thing that would lift the man's self-esteem in that moment. That is one of the most beautiful gifts we can give to others, helping them recognize in themselves what is so special about them. When we talk about loving-kindness, there is one person we absolutely cannot leave out of the picture, ourselves. Gautama Buddha once said, You can look the whole world over and never find anyone more deserving of love than yourself. This is such a hard concept for many of us to accept. But if you think about your origins, your divine origins, it's not hard to accept at all. You are a son or daughter of God, and God loves you just as a father and mother love their child. So if you condemn yourself, you are actually condemning a part of God. Think about that the next time you get down on yourself or anyone else. We all make mistakes, but it's dangerous to tell yourself, well, because I did such and such, I'm just not good enough for God or even the smallest angel to pay any attention to today. It's good to feel that you are doing something that would please God. But remember that God loves you first and foremost for who you are, not for what you do. It's a sweet and tender moment when you realize that it's not because you have accomplished something that God loves you. God loves you because you are who you are. had more to say on that subject, but uh, we're going to um, share something else with you here, just a quick little story, because clearly loving yourself is important, but the love you share is vital as well, and I'm reminded of the conversations that Catherine of Siena had with God. God told her, it is impossible for you to love me as much as I love you, but I will know the depth of your love in how much you share your love with others. And when we return, we will hear Elizabeth Clare Prophet discussing the aura the pathway to the stars, and the key to creative mastery. Don't go away. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back. And now, as promised, Elizabeth Clare Prophet speaks on the aura, the pathway to the stars, and maybe even a little more about each of us being a co-creator with God. Can you tell us how the knowledge of the aura can make us free? It's all based on the simple concept, I am light. I invite the beloved sons and daughters of God listening today to join me in this meditation on the light of the heart. I am light, glowing light, radiating light, intensified light. God consumes my darkness, transmuting it into light. This day I am a focus of the central sun. Flowing through me is a crystal river, a living fountain of light that can never be qualified by human thought and feeling. I am an outpost of the divine. Such darkness as has used me is swallowed up by the mighty river of light which I am. I am, I am, I am light. I live, I live, I live in light. I am light's fullest dimension. I am light's purest intention. I am light, light, light. Flooding the world everywhere I move. Blessing, strengthening, and conveying the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. Where does all of this lead? It leads to the pathway of the stars. The stars are the symbol of our own I am presence, the focal point of our causal body of light, and they have been referred to as the many mansions of the Father's house. We each have a mansion, a dwelling place in the secret place of the Most High God, and the light of the aura comes to us over the thread of light, the thread of contact between heaven and earth. Kathumi says man has so often been concerned with the concepts and the many manifestations of the human aura, how to protect it, how to direct it, how to increase it, 
how to see it, how to interpret it, that he has seldom taken into account these simple words Jesus long ago revealed, Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. This is true religion. This is the fulfillment of Kathumi's mantra, I am light, glowing light. We have to affirm that light, to confirm it, to give it our vow, our trust, our life, so that it can give itself to us. This light of which he spake is the light which can be magnetized through the human aura. For it is the human emanation which heaven would make divine. Kuthumi teaches us that God wants us to become like him. In order to become like him, we must go through the alchemy of the Holy Spirit, the sacred fire change, the putting off of the old man, the putting on of the new. Therefore, Kuthumi says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Sounds very much like Jesus was talking about the aura. I'd like everyone to contemplate this moment, the aura of Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. Often this is painted in paintings of Jesus, but I tell you that the aura of Jesus literally filled the entire planet Earth. So great was his extension of God's consciousness through that aura. The base of God's self-awareness which Jesus had enabled him to proclaim himself the Son of God and to realize his own innate divinity. Thus he is called the Savior of the world. We can begin right where we are. Though our aura be an inch from the body, it can be expanded first to fill the house where we are, filling that house with the light of the Holy Spirit. God himself, through his Son, Jesus Christ, will come into our temple by the Lord's Spirit and expand our aura through his own expanded self-awareness in God. Filling the house, we then find that the aura can be extended to fill an entire community or neighborhood and then the entire city. Kuthumi says that in these studies of the aura, he is giving the same understanding that Jesus imparted to his disciples, sometimes through parable, sometimes through an objective analysis of themselves and their contemporaries, and sometimes through direct teachings on the law, which he read to them from the archives of the Brotherhood. Kathumi says that Jesus' entire effort was to demonstrate what man can do and what man can be when he unites with a God flame. Jesus determined to come to earth and give us the teaching of our innate Christ self by example, not simply by academic instruction. So perfectly did he become the full example of the flame that we have forgotten that his mission was to demonstrate what we can do also, and instead we have fallen down to worship the person of Jesus instead of to emulate that likeness of God which he beheld for us. Kuthumi explains that it is to be, it is be-ness, it is to understand that you are a ray of intense light that cometh from the central sun into the world of form. This is the key to creative mastery. Well, why is it the key? 
The key is here because we do not place outside of ourselves this ray of light, this God presence, this Christ self, but we realize that we are a ray that comes from the source, from the source of the Trinity. If we are that ray of light, then all things are possible unto us, even as they are possible to every sun ray of God. The key to creativity and to the mastery of the environment is to realize that the energy and the consciousness for that mastery is already within. Our challenge, then, is to unlock that creativity, that mastery, by unlocking the energy and consciousness of God, to discover God being within and to expand it, rather than to attempt something which is utterly impossible, to graft upon ourselves that God which is without. We cannot be anything except that which we already are, and by God's grace we are created in His image and likeness. What actually happens when we use Kathumi's mantra, I am light? The light that comes forth as we give the mantra fills our cup of joy to overflowing. Kathumi says, You must understand that you can draw forth renewed magnificence and devotion to the cause of your own immaculate freedom, and that this freedom can be a crystal river flowing out from the throne of God through your aura, which you have consecrated as a vessel of the Holy Spirit, and into the world of men. You must understand that wherever you go, your opportunity to let your light shine, your aura goes with you, and that because you are, because you have being and are being, you can take the sling of enlightened fortune and fling into the world with almost delirious abandon your cup of joy that runneth over in simply being a manifestation of God. You must increase your understanding of the magnificence of flow, the flow of the little electrons in their pure, fiery state that seem to dance with total abandon and then again to march like little soldiers in precision, formation, now disbanding as they assume what at first may seem to be erratic shapes, now regrouping in their intricate geometric patterns. Purposefully, man pours out into the universe the healing balm that is his real self in action. Its flow is guided by the very soul of the living God, by an innate and beautiful concept of perfection steadily emanating to him and through him. Does man do this? Can man do it of himself? Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Understand that the inner fires banked within yourself by the fire of the Holy Spirit can be expanded by your own desire to be God's will in action. Understand that these fires will act as a divine magnet to increase the flow of perfection into your aura and thence into the world. Understand that you must therefore wax enthusiastic about daily expanding your light through your meditations upon the Holy Spirit. Beloved sons and daughters of God, we are born to be co-creators and co-workers with the infinite spirit. A co-worker is one who has 
that flame of God within himself, who sees himself the servant of God, the instrument of God, because God lives in him, not because he is a miserable sinner. What you have done yesterday, if it is not of the light, can be put into the flame by a simple call to God the Father in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, or Gautama Buddha, or Mary the Mother. In the name of your own I am presence, therefore, let us invoke the sacred fire, the great crystal river of life, to wash through our consciousness now as this great flowing stream of water, fire moves within us, let us know that the fulfillment of the promise of God, the transmutation of sin, the balancing of karma, the washing clean of our garment is taking place, and that we are coming today through the law of forgiveness before the great throne of God, that he will receive us through his blessed Son, the Christ who lives in us all, that we can be forgiven and therefore also receive these fires of the Holy Ghost of transmutation and be renewed and be born again through the true understanding of the teaching of the law of the Christ. God bless you and be with you as you pursue your own state of God consciousness. Thank you very much. Up next, our weekly Q&A, and today, once again, we're joined by Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. 
Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us today is Sydney Bennett. Hi, Sid. Gentlemen. Hello, Sydney. Okay, so loving kindness. You know, it seems like such a small thing. So what's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. The small <laughs> thing is everything, as is so often the case with God. Um, you know, anyone, everyone's familiar with the faith, hope, and charity teaching from, mm-hmm. from the Bible. And no matter what you have, the wisdom, the intellectual knowledge, the physical experiences, the gift of prophecy, etc., etc., as Paul tells us, without charity, all those are worthless. And I think that's something that gets away from us sometimes when we are on a spiritual path where we're interested in certain teachings or understandings or perspectives or an intellectual knowledge, which is not Mm -hmm. bad. But if it takes us away from the core, it really does distract us from the true meaning of life and the true way back to God. And and charity, as you uh, discuss it, charity is um, love. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Loving kindness. Well, sometimes it seems like there's no scale of magnitude when it comes to an act of kindness. You know, you see the the little bumper sticker, you know, practice random acts of kindness. (laughs) How about focused acts of kindness? (laughs) You know, I mean, on some level, are are all kind acts equal? Is that accurate? You know, I'm not so sure. And the the reason being is what's the motive of the heart? In other words, Mm -hmm. someone may be hungry and someone may give them a meal. And it may be a sacrifice for a person, one person to do that, and for the other one, it's just change out of their pocket. And so what is the motive that we bring to our actions? And do we do things in secret, or do we do things in the open? As Jesus taught us, when you do things in the open, that's your reward. And so what is the motive of the heart? How much love are you bringing to that act? And so it may have the same impact in some ways, but in other ways, it could be very different. So I don't think that's necessarily true, Ross. Yeah. So, so really, you just mentioned that it might be a very small thing for one person, but a very big thing for another. Well, the widows might. Yeah, and yeah. so so you look at that, it's like we need to treat the things that we do, you know, the acts of kindness that we do, appropriately. We need to look at it and go, what effect is this going to have in another person's life? And what's our motive? Exactly. And I think the motive is all important, isn't it? I mean, Mother Teresa said, you know, we can't do great things. We can only do small things with great love. Uh Oh, that's good. I like that. You know, I'd I'd like to ask you if you have a a favorite, you know, loving kindness story. And before you answer that, I just wanted to mention one that um, occurred to me this morning. I remember a very good friend of mine was on his way to what he considered at the time to be the most important job interview of his life. He was going to do something that was his dream. It was his passion as far as he knew it. And he stopped to help somebody change a tire, and he missed that meeting. But he said when he did that, he realized 
it didn't matter in that moment. What he was giving up was maybe something that helping this person made it more important. Turned out that he got a better job offer within days, something that he really, really wanted to have. It was even better than the one that he was going to. So mm-hmm. a little act of kindness, stepped out of his way to do it, ended up being a remarkably wonderful little miracle for him. Yeah, and I think he did the story of the fourth wise man. If you haven't ever heard that, it's a beautiful story about a, the fourth wise man that never found Jesus, and yet he found the truth and love. It's uh-huh. a beautiful story. But I've got two stories I'd like to relate, Great. if I can. Oh, yeah. The first one, and it's not significant in some ways, but I think it's, it's what's significant is the fact that I remember it. And, and this, <laughs> not just because of my age. But when I got out of high school, or excuse me, out of college, I toured Europe. And I can remember being on a train in northern Norway. And, you know, we had no money then, and we were traveling on a rail pass and so forth, so mm-hmm. we just kind of slept on the train. And I was in a train car with myself, my friend, and an elderly Norwegian lady. We were hungry. We had no food, and we didn't say anything, but I was hungry anyway. And the guy came back by with a cart that he was selling things on, and this woman, who we didn't talk to because she didn't speak English, bought us each these cold waffles, you know. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, that's something that happened 40 years ago, and in the scheme of things, pretty irrelevant, isn't it? No. Yeah. But I remember it because it was an act of kindness that I wasn't expecting. And you can see the impact that these acts have. We, we don't think mm-hmm. about them. We may do them and not think about them again. But you don't know what impact you have on a soul when you do these acts of kindness and how it carries them. Literally, in this case, for decades, I remember that. Oh, and, and pass it forward. You know, it's the, the ripple effect. Absolutely. Now, the second one I had is I, when I used to live in Minneapolis, I did some volunteer work at an organization called Sharing and Caring Hands, which dealt with the homeless. And mm-hmm. I would go down there and help prepare meals and so forth. And I was there one day, and the lady that was the head of that, um, I saw her interacting with another soul that came in. And this woman came in, and I could hear her tell uh, this one lady, said, you know, today is my birthday, and she started to cry. And so immediately, Mm -hmm. the woman got everybody together. They sang her happy birthday, and then, of course, then she really started to cry, (laughs) and she got a basin of water and washed her feet. And to see the look on this person who felt pretty worthless in her own way, obviously. She was homeless. She had nothing. It was her birthday. And the Mm -hmm. dignity at which she was treated as a child of God I mean, I never forgot that, and I don't mm-hmm. think that woman will ever forget it either. That's great. You know, I had a, a situation when I was in the service. I had I broke a leg, right femur, four pelvic bones. It was kind of painful. Um, right now, the the second day that I was in the hospital, uh, you know, and you're laid out. I mean, there's there's no, you're not going anywhere. Your attraction, the whole thing. Um, I heard a, a noise and things like that going on in the corridor, and it turned out that our chaplain's wife and the colonel's wife had this this thing that they did on Saturdays. They'd go through and give the troops a shampoo and a shave and trim up the hair if they needed it. These two ladies, it was like Florence Nightingale come again. <laughs> I, I was one of those things, like I remembered that, for the, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life, how much I felt towards them for this that small set of acts of kindness that they did. And they did it every Saturday, and they did it for the entire ward of people who were in traction who couldn't get up and do those things for themselves. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, you know, we heard Elizabeth Clare Prophet speaking a bit on one of our favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's laughing. Being co-creators with God. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> and, I mean, is every act of kindness automatically an act of God? Well, I mean, I think God is love. God mm-hmm. is kindness. We, these are all, you know, so obvious statements. And yet what we endow them with, these acts, as I mentioned before, is absolutely crucial. And you can say that everything we do is an act of God in one sense because we're using God's energy. And because we're using God's energy, 
God feels the impact of that. So it's an interesting thought, whether for good or evil, um, we're taking God's energy and, and, and qualifying it. But obviously, an act of kindness is a manifestation of God. And people might, mm-hmm. I don't know the name of that lady that was kind to me 40 years ago in Norway, mm-hmm. but I remember somebody cared for me. Oh, yeah. And that act of yeah. kindness was very real. And so it is the presence of God. And it goes back to, to even our own self-worth. We are worthy of being kind, not only to ourselves, but receiving the kindness of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, one thing we haven't spoken of yet today, and we probably should, is the um, concept of forgiveness. Um, when we knowingly fail to take advantage of an opportunity to extend kindness to another, some of us can have a tendency to beat ourselves up a bit. Uh, and this isn't good, is it? Well, it's not good. And, you know, you have to find a balance in life. We have to take our accountability for our actions. We have to self-correct. We have to do the very best we can. But then we have to realize this is an imperfect world. We're going to make mistakes no matter how spiritual we are going forward. Uh, obviously, we like to minimize those. But you've got to find a balance of doing the very best you can. And when you make a mistake, you know, to ask for forgiveness, to try and correct it. And when I pray when I go to sleep and I ask for forgiveness, I say, God, please give me the opportunity to balance this karma on the moral, whether it's with this person or someone else or whatever. But we can't live under a, a, a weight of self-condemnation because we're not humanly perfect. Yeah, and yet we right. can't justify not loving either because it takes too much effort. So it's a balance. Yeah. Well, on that on that same vein, the the idea that forgiving ourselves is a very important act of kindness. How far back in time can we go to forgive ourselves? <laughs> well, Good further question. back than you can remember, Ross. <laughs> All right, that's then. A fair statement. <laughs> and I think this this is <clears throat> excuse me a key concept. We know the story of the Garden of Eden and the fall of man, mm-hmm. and this is indeed an allegory for what happened to all of us. And there was what's called a mystery school, and I know we've had a show about that yep, um, in I the past, uh, where an individual by the name of Lord Maitreya, who is known as the coming Buddha who has come, was sort of the hierarch or the overseer of that mystery school. And many of us chose to leave. We chose to turn our backs on God, go to our own way, express our free will, and say, God, we have a better way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And so we all have that sole memory of rejecting God. And because we have that soul memory, many of us are very hard on ourselves at various levels. And so right. this whole teaching of, you know, we're worthless sinners, that appeals at some level to the psyche because, oh, I left off God. I left off my opportunity. I left the Garden uh-huh. of Eden, my first estate. I must be a bad person. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's a plot because the fallen angels use it to get us to heap self-condemnation on ourselves. Oh, boy. And it keeps us from realizing that we have the power to become God in manifestation and to overcome our past mistakes. We are many times more willing to forgive others than we are to forgive ourselves. And it's actually a point of pride not to accept the forgiveness of God. Have you thought about that? No. He's wow. offering that to us. And, oh, no, God, I'm not worthy of forgiveness. Well, that's a lie. God is in, in us, and so, therefore, we are worthy of forgiveness. We must accept that forgiveness in humility and love even as we forgive others. Well, it almost, it almost excuses your actions. If you think like that, you know, like, well, I can't be forgiven, so if I'm if I get in the neck now, I might have a good time. Have a good time. You know, I'm condemned to hell. So on and on and on. It's oh. such a lie. It's amazing too, because I, you know, I remember. I know we all do here. The Elizabeth Prophet reminding us that whenever we harshly criticize or condemn ourselves, 
um, we have literally taken ourselves outside the circle of God. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. We think we know how God acts, and uh, I think as we've all discovered, we don't really know that. But one of the things is we think God remembers you know, every little mistake we've ever made, and therefore we, we condemn ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is the only sin that can't be forgiven. You know, against the whole, you know, if we condemn mm-hmm. ourselves, we condemn God. And as long as we're condemning God, we cannot be in the presence of God. Wow. So admit your mistakes, <laughs> acknowledge your shortcomings, but don't live them. You know, yeah. God, give me the opportunity to balance this karma and help me to do the best I can today. Understanding we live in an imperfect world, mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes, but we can make progress. And I think that's the key. And as we overcome these things in our world, we can put on more of our Christhood, forget perfecting the human. But displacing our human with the Christhood within us is a way to go. And forgiveness is absolutely key to that, forgiveness of ourselves. Well, it's happened to us once again. What? Oh, we've we got to take a break. Don't go away. When we return, we'll continue this discussion of loving kindness and self-mastery with Sid Bennett. Home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth Schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond seventh wave network you are listening to the open door hosted by ross brunson and tom schumacher if you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Well, we are back for more discussion with Sid Bennett on the subject of loving kindness and self-mastery. Now, we've all heard the admonition, don't sweat the small stuff. Yet we also know that in light of our spiritual journey, 
every choice we make counts. Can we reconcile these two perspectives? Well, I think it goes back to what we were sharing a few minutes ago about the fact that, you know, we have to be understanding that we live in an imperfect world. But in some ways, the small stuff does matter. And how you define small stuff is, I guess, the important thing. <laughs> the quality of the heart. I mean, whether you get a parking space that's, you know, two feet from the door of the store or, you know, 100 uh. yards, I mean, is that important in the scheme of things? <laughs> but the vibration you carry into that store, depending yeah. on where you park, is important. Mm -hmm. And so it's understanding what is important and what's not important. And as you manifest love, as you manifest the vibration of love, then you are sweating the big stuff. And when you lose that, it does matter. And mm -hmm. I think that's the key thing, yeah. is keep your yeah. perspective on right. what is important. And when you find yourself out of alignment, if you do something wrong, say, God, please forgive me and give me the opportunity to balance that karma and try and get yourself right. So um, it's, it's really an attunement. It's an awareness. It's a perspective that you bring to a day-to-day -day life. And as we're taught, I think that we are forgiven even before we ask. Yeah, absolutely. You mean my dad was right? All I have to do is admit that I was wrong? And, <laughs> and then we can move on That's from there? That's the first step, yeah, anyway. No, I, I, like that. I like awesome. that, yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so we have all become our parents a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Earlier, we spoke about how our reactions to others, in negative or positive, whatever, can be a really good clue to yeah. understanding our own psychological foibles. Mm -hmm. um, the Ascended Masters have often reminded us to continuously look at and to work on healing our own psychology. So what's the tie between our psychology and our spiritual paths? And we know there is one, but Great let's question. get it a little well, closer. Well, you may know, but I know when I started on the spiritual path, I did not have that understanding. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it mattered. You know, I have my personality, my psychology, mm -hmm. and you know, that's the way I am, you know, God just as I am, you know, without one plea. Well, that's very nice when you, when you, when you come to the, the feet of God. But at a certain point, we all have to realize that our psychology can be a very serious limiting um, problem in our own spiritual path. And, of course, the clincher is it's not just a psychology from this life. It's mm -hmm. things we have brought from previous lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Patterns repeat themselves. And I think the first thing you want to remember is that many times the soul will do something in defense of itself mm -hmm. to protect itself that ends up manifesting as a certain aspect of psychology or a problem that, that carries on. And so we have to have loving kindness towards our own soul. The soul was doing its best to protect itself from pain or danger or whatever. And yet it does have an impact on us and we carry it forward. And I think there's a great example of this. There's a book called... Uh, a Dweller on Two Planets. I don't know if you may have heard of it. I have heard of it. By yeah. Philos the Tibetan. Read it. And he tells a story of an embodiment on Atlantis, where I think his name was Zalem. And his mother in that embodiment rejected him and told mm. him that she didn't love him. And the shock was so great to him that he literally went unconscious. It was such a shock to his soul and how hard it was. Number one, that impacted how he lived his life, that entire rest of embodiment. You know, the fact that his mother Absolutely. didn't love him and what mm. a core element that was. But what's interesting was when he tells about his embodiment in 19th century America, that same pattern was there of the rejection by the mother. And yet he didn't have an outer awareness of where it came from. So you can see mm. that whatever we're dealing with in this life may not only be from this life, but from many others. And until we can deal with that psychology and mm. put it behind us, then we can't make spiritual progress. And, and whatever you do... Don't condemn yourself for this state of psychology you might be in. Because I said, it might have been something your soul did in defense of itself. Mm -hmm. And you may be an innocent victim of this. But it's an awareness of understanding. And I think women, in, I don't want to be too take two generalizations, but <laughs> my wife's a psychologist, so I guess I can. But, you, can. you know, women tend to be more open to inner child work and understanding your psychology. I never thought about it until 
the ascended masters told us we must deal with our psychology right. at a certain point. Otherwise, we cannot make more spiritual progress <laughs> because we end up doing the things we don't want to do. And we repeat ourselves and make the same karma over and over and over again mm -hmm. until we resolve these issues. It's very hard to get on the spiritual well, I'm path. I'm so glad you took the marriage analogy because that's the one that I used to explain it to my little brother. I said, look, I said, finding God, finding the teachings of the ascended masters is like getting married. But it requires maintenance, daily maintenance. You know, you really have to work at this. It's not just like, okay, I'm there and yeah. that's it. Right. You know, and so that really that really helped him. And, and, and I think that's the, taking responsibility for yourself, saying I have psychological faults, like you said, the ones that those learned patterns that we kind of get calluses on because we were in a certain situation. Well, it's time to take those and look at them and really try to work those out. Now. And, and, you know, sometimes we don't even know they're there. I had the opportunity once many years ago, uh, Mrs. Prophet, uh, pointing out to me. Uh, uh, part of my psychology that was a limiting f factor on my spiritual path. Mm. And, you know, it was like it was so close to me, I couldn't see it. Oh, yeah. and, and once she's told me about it, you know, the bell went off and it became so obvious. So we do have to ask God to show us those things which are limiting and holding us back and be kind to ourselves. And I, I, one other aspect of this, you know, there are parts of us that are not so great, you know, and they may be oh, patterns, they hey. may be things mm -hmm. we've, we've, we've done over and over again and so forth. Don't be attached to those. They aren't really you. Mm -hmm. In other words, the real you is, yes, you have a wonderful personality in and, and God, a uniqueness in God, but it's not all this other stuff. So don't hold on to it. We try to defend it yep. and defend those parts that, that don't need defending and shouldn't be defended in our world. It takes courage to let them go and let God to fill the vacuum with himself, yep. with himself. No, I, it, it's great wisdom, and I'm sure... You know, that a lot of our listeners are probably saying that, you know, practicing loving kindness is really a no brainer. You know, it's simply the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But we should never take any opportunity to be kind for granted. You know, that, would you say a bit more about just how really, and I want to stress, really important each act of loving kindness is? Well, it is because, you know, we become what we focus on. Yeah. And so as we become attuned to the needs of others, we become that loving kindness, which obviously is a manifestation of God. Yeah. You want to know bliss. You want to know joy. You want to know the extreme happiness. Help others. Give to others. We've all had that feeling when we've done something for someone else. And the feeling is absolutely wonderful that mm -hmm. comes through our beings. And that can be something we can have all the time as we become more of God. Mm -hmm. and, and so it is important that we mm -hmm. take every opportunity. And sometimes, you know, we're tired. We feel a little dense. We're insensitive. But, you know, try and be aware of your surroundings and what you can do to help others. Yeah. You know, in, in my travels, I was an instructor for about 14 years and pretty much every other week travel. And you start to notice patterns. And after a while, I started to notice that people were having a hard time. Now, there are times when you have a hard time. But there are, there are a lot of times when I was there when somebody was really having a hard time. You know, so I made a practice out of trying to be, you know, because I was standing around with a, you know, silly look on my face and notice things to try to help still folks do. out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's one of my characteristics. <laughs> uh, but to really honestly try to see where I could serve people, and I don't mean like, you know, serve them with a platter, but serve that person. Yeah. And I can tell you that it was every single one of those times was absolutely worth it. I was standing in uh, an airport in military uniform because uh, I was in the service, and this lady approached me. She's an older lady, and she had a very young child, a little baby, and she was in obvious distress. And she asked the only only person standing there, she said, could you please hold my granddaughter? I have to go to the bathroom. And I 
read so much more than what she was saying. She had a, some sort of an emergency. And I stood there and held this little child there in military uniform with my sunglasses on and my hat on. Um, and, you know, you don't, you don't just sit there and look at the child. You have to interact with the child. And I had a good time with this. And I, I reflected back upon the situation, which was is that she ass- assessed everybody who was there. She picked a serviceman because her generation knew that you could depend upon a serviceman mm. to do certain things. And I remember looking up and seeing everybody in the entire airport lounge looking at me and kind of this, the kind of smile on their face. And it was one of those moments where you thought, you know what? I have to live up to this. Oh, yeah. And I think that the, the practice of kindness, if you do it on purpose, it will perpetuate itself. Do you find that to be true? It becomes a habit. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just add something here and, and a perspective. Mm-hmm. God is in pain on this planet. Mm-hmm. He's in pain in the hearts of his sons and daughters. People are in pain. I mean, you look around you, not only their outer personal circumstances, but everyone has traumas. Everyone has pains they're trying to recover from and heal from. And by being kind, you're actually being kind to God as well as being kind to these souls. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it really is a privilege. It's something you can do for God. You know, uh, someone referenced, you know, God couldn't come today, so I came in his place. (laughs) You know, that (laughs) idea. And that's true because we're in the physical. And people can see us. They can hear us. They can feel us. And that's mm-hmm. where we can be the instrument of God. And it's a privilege and a joy to do that. And oh. we are, after all, yeah. co-creators that's with right. God. Thank, thanks for yes. weaving that back in. You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, and now we've talked about, you know, that we have the concept of sin. And there's sins of commission, that you've committed a sin. And there's sins of omission. Mm. Can you talk a little more about the karmic consequences of passing up an opportunity? In other words, we see the opportunity to do a good deed, and then we just, you know, we're lazy. We don't think about whatever. We just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, and and we have to be aware that when the opportunity is there, you know, remember it could be a karmic cycle for you. I, I have a great example of that. I was at a coffee shop in a shopping center in Southern California once, and it was there was no place to sit, so I was sitting at the counter. And this lady came in and sat next to me. And so I was reading a book or doing something. I kept, you know, getting this thing. I'm supposed to, you're supposed to talk to this lady. You're supposed to talk to this lady. You're supposed to talk to this lady. And I thought, you know, I don't have anything to say for her. I don't know. She's going to think I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> I got to mind my own business. Anyway, and what I kept hearing was to share with her a chart of the I am presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got this feeling. I knew this lady. I'd never seen her before in my life. But I got the very clear feeling that I knew her from previous embodiments. Mm-hmm. And clearly what I was supposed to do was give her this I am presence chart. Guess what? I didn't do it. I never mustered the courage to do it. And I always regretted that because, uh, you know, that may have been the one opportunity in this life for me to do it. So it's unfortunate I can pray for another that she'll find somehow these teachings, but seize the moment and don't miss the opportunity to do that for something for someone. Well, okay, so since we're on the subject of karma, let's quickly go into this a little bit more and talk about the portion of our own karma that returns to us each day. Isn't that a sobering thought? You wake up in the morning, guess what? There's a package. <laughs> on your doorstep, exactly. That's right. It's not the newspaper that's either. Right. delivery. And, yeah, and you right. know, you never know what that's going to be. Right. But I want to add that the returning karma is a grace. It's a mercy. Because until we balance that karma, we cannot be truly free. And so we should be grateful for returning karma and grateful that we have the means and the opportunity to balance that karma, which is through service, which is giving the violet flame, which is act of loving kindness for one person that can count for something you did against someone else. And so welcome your karma, but don't ignore it. Take the opportunity to deal with it, to mm-hmm. balance it, use the violet flame, use the science of the spoken word, mm-hmm. and be that loving kindness in action. This is why we're here. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. other reason to be here but to find God, our way home, and by these acts of loving kindness and balancing our karma, 
and putting on the Christhood. Excellent. That's how we get there. Yeah, and you know, in the context of this show's theme, loving kindness and self mastery, you know, let's use what time we have left today to tie those two things together. You know, for us, our consistent spiritual baseline is this: we are all here to master ourselves, overcome our human limitations, and rise or ascend to become one with God. This is why everything we choose is so important, right? It is. And it's being a mature son and daughter of God that says, God, I will Mm -hmm. take responsibility not only for what I do today, but what I have done in the past and every other lifetime. I have made mistakes, but I know the light of God is sufficient, the violet flame, and opportunity is here. Mm -hmm. I will take that responsibility. I will take that accountability. I will, to the best of my ability, I will be you in action on this planet this day. And thank you for this opportunity. Wow, I love it. You know, we've done it again. That's all the time we have this week. I want to thank you, Sydney, for your wisdom and insight, and to all of you for joining us today. Please join us again next week, and we will discuss marriage, sexuality, and spirituality. Oh, boy. Nothing loaded about that topic. Yeah, we are stalwart and unafraid, okay. mostly. Well, until then, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out, out of this world. world. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.